0: Welcome to Torah Today Ministries in our continuing series, Parsha Seasonings. And in this episode, we find ourselves in Torah portion Vayeshev, which is in Genesis chapters 37 through 40. And as you should know by now, if you've listened to any of the teachings in this series... Uh, Parsha Seasonings' purpose is to introduce you to some to some of the details found only in the Hebrew or in the Torah scroll, things that you don't find in your English translations of the Scriptures. So I bring these out, do with them what you will. They're just seasonings, they are not the meal itself. But I hope they do add a little spice and flavor to your Torah study. So let's dive right in. Now we're all familiar with the story of Joseph and his coat of many colors. Now we don't know if that's how we translate this term. It's the term cotonet pasim," and it's found here in Genesis 37.3 and a couple other places in, in the account. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. Now, why did he love Joseph the most? Because Joseph was the firstborn son of his beloved Rachel. Rachel was the one and only woman that Jacob chose, that he loved and wanted to marry. But his father-in-law uh, swapped brides on the honeymoon night. And in the morning, Jacob realized he'd been bamboozled into marrying uh, Rachel's, Rachel's older sister Leah. And then each of them gave their handmaids to Jacob when they went through uh, barrenness. And uh, But it was always Rachel all along. If Laban had not interfered in this whole process, Joseph would have been Jacob's firstborn son. So I guess you could say in a spiritual way, he always saw Joseph as his firstborn. So anyways, because he was the son of his old age, Joseph was Jacob's 11th son. And he made him a robe of many colors. And again, Katonit pasim, we don't know exactly how to translate this. We do know katonit means a coat or a, a tunic. It might have been a, a sleeveless tunic, but most commentators believe it had long sleeves. And then pasim, whatever that means, it was a katonit pasim. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because we find this term, katonit pasim, only in two places in Scripture. We find it here in the story of Joseph. And it's mentioned a couple or three times. But the other story is all the way over in 2 Samuel. The only other place it's found. And it is in reference to David's daughter, Tamar. It says, now Tamar was wearing a katonate pasim. Now I'm not going to go into the details here, but I did an entire teaching about this. And it's part of the Hebrew Key series, and the title is Tamar and Her Coat of Many Colors. And I strongly encourage you, if you have not listened to that teaching, please go listen to that. And I promise you it'll be a a blessing to you. Because whenever the Scriptures take a particular term that is only used two times, and you find that one place in Scripture, then another place we to bring those two stories side by side, and they unfold and open up into a menorah pattern that gives a specific light and a new insight into the Word of God. So, make sure you go and listen to that, Tamar and her coat of many colors. Now, the brothers, as you know, took the coat and they slaughtered a goat. They find it in chapter 37, verses 31 and 32. Then they took Joseph's coat and slaughtered a goat and dipped the, blood, uh, the robe in the blood, and they sent the coat and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. Now, what is interesting is that in the Midrash Rabbah, this ancient Bible study, it's a, it's a massive work, um, and if you have the money to spend and you have the time to study and read or simply want a good reference book to look up some of the ancient insights and stories and legends that surround the Torah, the Midrash Rabbah is, is a, a good investment. And in the Midrash Rabbah, we learn this. It's in the Genesis part of the Midrash Rabbah, 84, uh, verse 8. Says the tunic is called Pasim because the ten brothers cast Hapasu, Lots. The hapasu is one of the Hebrew words for lots. They cast lots over it to determine which one of them would take the bloody tunic to Joseph's father, and the lot fell to Judah. Hmm. Can you remember someone else in Scripture where they took his garment, and they cast lots for it. Yeah, it's Yeshua. This was prophesied in Psalm 22, and it was fulfilled in the gospel. And what's interesting, you only cast lots over someone's clothing if that person is dead or going to die. And so they looked on Joseph as if he was a dead man already, at least dead to their father, Jacob. So in the Midrash Rabbah, we find this Messianic hint to what is going to happen to Yeshua Himself. So I thought that was worth sharing with you. Now, this word pasim is interesting, and the rabbis, again, we don't know exactly what the word means, but there you see it's pe samik, yud mim. But what the rabbis did is they took these four letters and they said well the pay could stand for potiphar whose name starts with the pay the Samic for the sokarim which is the word used here for the merchants and the yud and the mim could stand for the ishmaelites and the midianites because if you recall the story there were some midianite and ishmaelite merchants passing by and they sold joseph to them And then they, in turn, sold Joseph to Potiphar. So, it could be that this strange word, "pasim" again, we don't know exactly what it means, but God orchestrated this word as used just simply to show, once again, his sovereignty, his overarching running of the world, and he knows the end from the beginning. And uh, so even as Joseph is sent by his father to find his brothers and to report back to his father about them, and um, this whole thing unfolds for Joseph. He's, he's captured by his brothers. He's put into a pit. They plan to kill him, but then they decide, oh, let's make some money off of him, and they sell him for 20 pieces of silver to these Midianite Nishmalite merchants who then sell him to Potiphar, and he's gone. A needle in a haystack, and yet God is in control. He was in control from beginning to end, and even in our lives, when things look like just chaos, just happenstance, uh, they're not. God is authoring a story. And whatever your name is, that's the name of the book He is writing for you. So trust the author. Don't resist Him. Cooperate with with His will in your life. And when you look back over it, you'll see it woven together perfectly. And it'll be a story that the world will look forward to reading. Here's another example, I think, of how God is just reassuring us that He is in control of all things. In Genesis 37, verse 12, um, it says, Now as brothers... Joseph's brothers, went to pasture the flock of their father in Shechem. Now, let me just share something from the get-go here. Shechem is where, when you get to the end of the story, you're going to find this is where Joseph will be buried, and you have to read through the entire Torah, and you know that when Moses and the Israelites came out of Egypt, they brought Joseph's bones, They had mummified him. He was in an Egyptian sarcophagus. So picture these these Jewish people for 40 years wandering through the wilderness. And they have this Egyptian sarcophagus with the mummy of Joseph inside. So Joseph wandered through the wilderness with them for 40 years. Then finally under Joshua, his body is brought across the Jordan River. And then eventually it is buried. And it's buried in Shechem. So... What are the chances that his brothers would just happen to be pastoring the flock in Shechem? And this is the place where Joseph is going to be buried. We find the end of the story tucked right in here into the beginning of the story. Now, the phrase the flock is et Zone Zon means flock. And et is a word we don't translate, really. Um, it's a a word that points to the direct object of a sentence and it's spelled Aleph Tav which are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet and in last week's Torah portion we we looked at these and uh, they're the equivalent of the Greek Alpha and Omega but in the Torah scroll as you can see here this word Et has a dot over each letter these are not vowel markings it's just the way the Torah scroll is written so every Torah scroll in this verse over this word you find these two dots no one knows why but to me it's just a hint of God saying the Alpha and the Omega the Aleph and the Tov he's present even when everything in Joseph's life looks like it's going to fall to chaos God's reminding us I know the end from the beginning I have a plan I'm going to use Joseph to save the world, and Joseph did. Now, this is something that's interesting. I, I find this fascinating. It also points to the brilliance of the, the rabbis of old and how thoroughly they knew the Torah and the Word of God. In Genesis 40, 16, this is the story of when Joseph interprets the dreams of the, the baker and the cupbearer. And it says, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable for the, the cupbearer's dream, he said to Joseph, indeed, I had a dream. Now, the word that's translated indeed is the word off, aleph, pay. Um, and we can translate this, uh, the, the King James says, yay, I had a dream. You uh, <laughs> uh, could be translated truly, some people do that. That's not a very good translation or, or verily or... Hey, you know what? I had a dream. Uh, Off is a Hebrew word that that I just translate indeed. It's just an exclamation to begin a statement. Now, we find God through the scriptures often beginning a conversation or a statement with the word off or the words off ani," Indeed, I, as he goes on. And God can do this. But whenever we find an individual other than God in the Scriptures beginning a statement with the word "off" or "off anee," indeed, I, it's always a wicked person every single time. So here are four examples. Believe it or not, the serpent in Genesis three one began his conversation with the word "off" when he said to Eve. Indeed, off did God actually say you should not eat of any tree of the garden? And we know the Satan, uh, the serpent, uh, who was Satan, was wicked. And then the baker here, and I'm not going to get into here, but you can listen to other teachings I've done on this Torah portion. And we look into this baker, and we do see that he there, there are plenty of hints given that he was a bad guy. He was a wicked man, and Pharaoh discovered this, and that's why he was executed whereas the cupbearer was restored to his position serving Pharaoh. And then Korah. Remember Korah's rebellion? The the ground opened up and swallowed him up. Korah was also, uh, though he appeared godly, and I think he had incredible potential to be a godly man and a leader in Israel, he was wicked. He had a, a, a wicked heart. And in Numbers 1614 he says, Off, indeed, you have not brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey, Moses, nor given us inheritance of fields. Who's accusing Moses. And of course, the great villain in the scriptures is Haman. And in Esther 5:12 says, Then Haman said, Off, even Queen Esther let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared. So, um, there you go. These are the four places where an individual other than God begins a conversation with the word off, and they were all bad guys. You know, when a human being begins a statement with this, indeed, I, and they start to proclaim something or to question something or to pronounce something, we need to be very careful, very careful. But when God says, off, indeed, indeed, he is the one who is the I am, the one who is I am as I am. He can get away with it because he's perfect. and He doesn't boast. He just states truth. So when God begins a conversation with us, we can trust it. But let's be very leery of people who want to be a little over the top with their zeal and their enthusiasm about something. and uh, and their self-sufficiency in the way they want to proclaim something to you. Let's always be just a little bit leery. We all need to be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. One without the other, we get in trouble. So, I hope you found something here that's interesting and and helps add some spice to your Torah study this week. And until next time, I wish you Shalom, and may God bless.